Again. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. We are creeping into the holiday. Having said that, of course, markets are closed tomorrow. Don't forget that. We'll reopen at 8.30 on Friday, then close at about 12.05. We'll see Minneapolis wheat close about 10 minutes thereafter. Having said that, it's made for an interesting type of marketing week. And we're going to look at a variety of factors, including this big sell-off we saw today in wheat. The surge that we saw in the cash cattle prices, some big numbers coming out of Nebraska, and the strong dollar and the euro collapsing. So we're going to find out what's going on, along with some other factors, all with their fingers in this marketing pot today. Arlen Suderman joins us. He is with StoneX. So let's start out with this wheat market. There's a lot of folks that we're banking on continuing to see that uptick. Yeah, they were, uh, but seldom does a market go in straight in one direction, uh, and uh, so we certainly saw that risk today. What was interesting to me was to see that the hard red wheat markets did see buying on the brakes once again, especially the Minneapolis market, but also Kansas City. Chicago, maybe weaker fundamentals than what we see in the hard red, not to say that they're weak, but not quite as strong, um, and uh, we continue to have concerns because of persistent rains in Australia now that risk putting more of the Australia crop into the feed wheat category versus quality milling. So we did bounce back there, but double-digit losses in Chicago, soft red winter wheat market. And overall, as we look at the grain and oilseed market, to a great extent, it was pre-holiday profit-taking They'd rather take the profits home with them and they take the kids to grandma's house rather than leave them on the trading room floor for the next four to five days. A lot of traders not wanting to come back on Friday. You and I will be here. The the markets will be open, but there will be very low volume is what we'd expect. And uh, it will be a shortened holiday trading day, as you indicated. And so a lot of them just simply wanted to be gone, and rather than leave those profits in the floor, they wanted to take them home, and and that really hurt the wheat markets. Corn and soybeans, it was more of a consolidation factor as that pre-holiday um, trading took place there have to say the strong dollar didn't help matters either. Well, talk about that uh, strong dollar. What are you seeing and how is that going to affect any possibilities for export opportunities? It does create some problems. And I had someone comment to me on Twitter, um, wait till the strong dollar starts to hurt. I said, I think it already is, uh, particularly for the wheat market is is limiting the gains to the upside. It's hurting exports at these high prices. And certainly it's going to be a big factor for soybeans once Brazilian new crop supplies become available. And to some extent, it's a factor for corn now as well. People ask me, why is the dollar going higher? There's a couple of reasons for that. One is as yields on treasury notes go higher, um, there are people in Europe and elsewhere who uh, Europe and Japan both have negative yields on uh, some of their securities. And so even though our yields aren't that high from a historical standpoint, they're certainly higher than negative. And so if they want to participate in our markets, they need to have dollars to do that. So they have to bid up for the dollars to get them. So that's one of the factors. The other side is the dollar and the euro tend to trade inverse of each other in the global currency markets. And the euro has been collapsing. They have COVID 
numbers really spiking again across many parts of Europe. And so while some countries have decided we're not going to shut down, other countries are locking down or adding various levels of restrictions, and that's hurting their economy. Expectations are going to continue to have stimulus there um, from their central bank. And uh, so the euro is breaking lower, pushing the dollar to new 16-month highs today. A lot of folks are talking, I say folks, I should say mainstream media about the sticker shock we're going to see um, traveling during this Thanksgiving holiday at the fuel pumps. What are your thoughts? Uh, Crude oil stocks, how's ethanol related? And is this something that's going to continue into the new, new year? It was interesting that this last this week we got the news from the Biden administration, been rumored for quite a while, that they were going to release some crude oil from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve um, to in order to kind of ease gasoline prices or the inflationary pressures of gasoline prices. Mind you that West Texas Intermediate Crude Oil had already come down a little over $10 off of its highs. For, for these rumors and, and other reasons, other factors, a lot of it because of the slowdown in Europe and China with COVID restrictions as a, a factor there as well. And then the announcement was made that the Biden administration was going to release 50 million barrels. Well, the market responded to that by rallying on the day that that was announced. Why? because that's a little over two and a half day supply. It's very little overall, doesn't make that much of a difference. And so the market says, well, it wasn't that big a deal. Um, so let's take prices higher. We've actually haven't sustained a rally since then. And we've been kind of consolidating, finding an area of value in this area right now. Um, but uh, overall, we're seeing growth in demand globally, and especially here in the United States, being greater than what the growth in supply has been. So supplies overall have been tightening. That's been pushing crude oil prices higher. If you look at crude oil stocks, gasoline stocks, distillate stocks, which is crude oil, excuse me, uh, diesel fuel and heating oil, they're lower than what they normally are this time of year as we head into the winter, and that's been supporting prices. All right, we look at a variety of different things. We come back. I do want to ask, and, and we'll continue to take a look at what's been happening in this corn market. Is it trying to do some protection for acres next year? It's hard to believe that even a month ago we were talking about corn versus bean acre discussions happening. We'll look at what's happening in South America as the outlook looks to be interesting for them for the month of December. And then, of course, what's been happening in this cattle market. We know three weeks in a row we have been continuing to push higher on this cash. And today... Today is absolutely no different. More's coming up. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Let's get another Fontenelle feature. I'm Joe Gangwish chatting with Dusty Mam. He's a Fontenelle hybrids dealer in the Sutton, Nebraska area. Dusty, what do you enjoy most about working with Fontenelle? Good question, Joe. I love the community aspect of the brand. Um, I love that we're involved in our local communities and our our schools and and the things that are important to our growers, and, and that's what I think makes us unique. Dusty, what's the most rewarding aspect of being a Fontenelle dealer? Uh, I think seeing some of the old school thought of that we're neighbors and doing things together. Uh, Our dealership has a strong network of growers that communicate a lot together and and do a lot of things together, whether it's on the farm or leisure and and understanding and 
knowing that we can learn from each other. Well, for more on how you can become part of that Fontenelle family, you can contact Dusty Mim in the Sutton area or any one of your local Fontenelle dealers across the state of Nebraska. To find him, just go to Fontenelle.com. RVN. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here in the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Continuing our conversation with Arlen Suderman. He is with Stonex. We've been talking a lot the first half about the grain complex and want to kind of look at this whole corn thing. Are they going to continue to fight as much as they can at this point to hold on to those acres for 2022? Yeah, that's the primary objective of the corn market right now. USDA is projecting ending stocks for the current year right around 1.5 billion bushels, just below that. And, and that's an adequate supply. There's no reason to ration demand with higher prices at this point from a supply and demand standpoint. So why have prices held at these levels? Because these are higher levels than you would ordinarily expect based on that type of an ending stocks projection. Well, it's all about next year. It's all about these high crop input prices and corn is the biggest user of inputs and so therefore with high prices and fears about availability the market needs to make sure that not only in U.S. but globally we plant enough corn acres so it has to have a value in there that pays the fertilizer bill so to speak that incentivizes farmers to plant corn and that's what it's doing here in the United States we estimate the market needs to make sure that we plant at least 91 one million acres of corn. That would be down about 2.3 million acres from this last year, but that's kind of the minimum level. That's kind of the base level and based on current demand projections going forward. And in fact, if we see a short crop any other place in the world, we're going to need more than 91 million acres. So that's why anytime fertilizer prices rally to a new high, or we see that soybean prices rally, the corn market has to respond to make sure it incentivizes enough acres to get planted. So far, it's pretty much doing its job, and we're holding on to the that base of core acres in the Midwest at this point. Dryness talks come in the month of December. Does that make for some nervous crops in South America, since we've heard such glowing things about it? Yeah, we really have. The crop does look good, and we're going to be harvesting soybeans uh, beginning about Christmas time or so in Brazil. Argentina, we've got a little oh, about a third of the crop planted by now, I would estimate, getting close to a third, maybe a little bit less than that. So it's very early in the growth cycle for Argentina. So as we go forward on the weather, um, anything that would create problems in Brazil would have an impact on pod fill, that type of thing. So far, it looks pretty good, except in southern areas of Brazil going down into Argentina. Most areas have adequate rain now. They've been starting to dry out a little bit in southern Brazil, Rio Grande do Sul, and surrounding areas. The concern in the models is that as we get in December, we're going to see more and more of a trend toward drier weather in Argentina and southern Brazil. We'll see if those models play out as projected. It doesn't mean that you get a short crop if you get timely rains. So it's going to depend on how timely the rains are how and what the scope of those rains are. But certainly something we're keeping an eye on. Head over to the livestock side. This cattle price is third week in a row. And just in the last week, we've seen a five and a half dollar jump in the trade it's good to see for cattle producers it is and um it, you know it's 
been all the way since early this year that we've been talking about packer capacity, limiting the number of cattle they could run through in a week's time. And it just seemed like we, we just couldn't uh, couldn't slaughter enough cattle and we were getting behind, And especially in the Southern Plains feedlot district. And, and then we started to get a little bit more current and uh, we started to improve things a little bit. And then we reached a time where, lo and behold, packers were expecting some significant demand going through the holidays and wanted to be able to increase supplies of product and they found a way to slaughter 677,000 head last week. So the demand for cattle increased, the feeders had a little bit more leverage and all of a sudden we started seeing those prices go up 134, 135, 136, 137, they just each day marching a little bit higher and even some 140 on a live basis. So a big rise in price here starting to escalate and pick up some speed. Um, this week's slaughter is going to be at a slower pace, but next week expected to pick up the pace again, although they'll also be able to have access to some formula cattle next week as well. I hate to say what goes up must come down, but can we keep this trend? I mean, we saw 140 today. Can we push it into the weeks to come? Well, I think we need to be careful about getting too bullish right now. We're going to have to keep our eye on the consumer. Um, there are overall good fundamentals, so I am cautiously optimistic. I don't want to get away from that. I am. Um, but we saw consumer sentiment in data today falling once again, worried about inflation. So far, the consumer has enough money, enough cash to pay, and the consumer has been doing so. But that's certainly something we're going to have to watch as consumer habits. Though the good news is export demand continues to grow, and that's been a very strong supporter. All right. On this uh, pre-Thanksgiving, what's the best way for folks to get a hold of you? StoneX.com. We're over on Twitter. They can follow me. My handle is Arlen, A-R-L-A-N-F-F-101. And that is today's Fontenelle Final Bell. Just a reminder, commodity futures and options involve a substantial risk of loss, and they're not suitable for all investors. That's the Fontenelle Final Bell brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers on the Rural Radio Network.